Hey y'all, nobody coming to you here before the show with a quick content warning. Uh, just wanted to let you know that in today's episode, there is some minor talk of uh, cranial trauma. It's going to start at about 57.45 and run through 58.45. If you have a sensitivity to uh, teeth stuff or facial damage, uh, you might want to skip over. It's pretty minor, but, you know, just be safe. Uh, take care, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Weirdos have to stick together, the show where a couple of weirdos talk all about the Owl House. My name's Nobody, and joining me is the most wanted criminal in the Boiling Isles. It's Chloe. How are you today, Chloe? You know, about as good as, like, anybody can be after the last couple weeks, I'd say. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, and, anyway, it's like a sensible human being, and also not uh, just like a cishet white dude, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Anybody who's not in power. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, it's like, it's it's hard to not dwell on it because of how shitty it is, but at the same time, it's like, you can't really so much joke around it and, like, dance around it because it's like, it's a very real fucking problem that is hurting a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, all this stuff is. <laughs> yeah. At least it's, yeah, at least it it's... seems like a lot of, like, uh, cis people that are actually being affected by this are starting to finally realize that this still also directly affects trans people. Like, they're, like, starting to realize that this is all related to, like, this is all, like, basically gender-affirming care, in a sense. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, people are finally starting to, like, figure out, of like, okay, this is not isolated, this is definitely not a case of they were gonna, you know, it's like people that are, like, other flavors of queer being like, oh, they clearly will not come after us, meanwhile we've been screaming at them for years being like, fucking what? No, that, <laughs> the whole point of this is that eventually they would go after everybody that's different than them. <laughs> Yeah, it's yep. it's definitely been a rough couple of weeks, but yeah, it's I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, there's there's like some bits of like good shit going on in my life. At least I can talk about. Like I do have another interview lined up for Wednesday, and nice. we finished our uh, superhero campaign uh, that we use that we play using uh, the hero system. We finished that on Friday, so we. We uh, have the primer for our goofy, very Fallout-inspired apocalypse campaign <laughs> that we're going to make characters for on Friday. I basically have already kind of like jotted down the ideas of what I want to do <laughs> for my character in terms of like <laughs> creation of them. So it'll it'll be very interesting because like it's always like it's always very. Uh, like the most like the the most fun part of character creation is seeing exactly what else my friends come up with because like one of one of our group always comes up with like the weirdest wackiest shit usually <laughs> when it comes to like you know if he's like really able to just like be, be let off a leash and just go nuts <laughs> especially because with this campaign like uh our character is built on 100 points with like a 25 point background that's like determined as like what's your character's like kind of like status in life like if they're like a native of where the uh, campaign begins or if they're like a nomad or like a caravan yeah. or kind of stuff. 
But then there's also optional, like, mutations, where the more mutations you take, the more the uh, distinct feature of being a mutant stacks up to the point where people would very much be fucking afraid of you all the time. <laughs> so it's like, if you really want to have a scorpion tail and be able to, like, stab people <laughs> with it and put them in a constitution entangle, which means that they... It's basically like a regular D&D entangle, but you have to use your con to get out of it. You can, but also people are gonna be like, "Holy fuck, that person has a, has a scorpion tail." Fuck. <laughs> yeah, that it's gonna be a very interesting and goofy campaign, especially because like just based on like a lot of the uh, flavor for the state of the world that our GM wrote, where it's like, just stuff where it's like, yeah, there's just like creatures that came from like the alien homeworld that tried to like, basically. Not like so much terraformer, but like make it more suitable to them, but also accidentally got fucked and like fucked up by their own mutagens. But one of the kind of creatures they dropped on the planet is just a creature that's fucking called tree octopi. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's definitely not at all concerning. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's gonna be very interesting to see what happens. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. How's your week been again? Besides like all of the terrible shittiness going on everywhere uh i mean it's pretty chill up here in canada <laughs> you know nothing major going on um i did have uh a pretty unpleasant incident last week that i posted in the audio entropy chat about but i don't super want to go into yeah, it on this that, show because that's not based like... based on what happened yeah it's not something you need to talk about if you don't feel comfortable about it <laughs> It's not that I don't feel comfortable with it. It's just that it's not, like... I don't know that it's necessarily the correct material for this show, if you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, like... We're... It's, like, we definitely talk about people being sad a lot, but this is... <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah, like... God, we've had, what, like, four weeks in a row, basically, of, like, here's the tr the Owl Trauma House kind of stuff going on, and it kind of extended to... Yeah, exactly. The yeah. episode 18 <laughs> that we'll cover on Thursday, but, like... Yeah, like, we, we do... We've brought up stuff about our own personal lives at times, but like, there's there's some stuff that's like, yeah, it's better, there's definitely be better, yeah. better not to talk about it. We're we're not therapists, and this isn't really an advice podcast. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, if that's something you want to know more about, that's going to be in the Mads and Sads channel in the Audio Entropy Discord server. Uh, this is about as deep as I'm going to go on this show. Yeah. Um, in weirder news, uh, I do play a in-person tabletop game about once a week. And our GM is just the nicest dude in the world. He keeps buying things for people, <laughs> which is incredibly kind of him. Like, he's bought full-on D&D books for people more than oh, once. Oh, wow. That's that, more than... It, based yeah. on when I was still buying, like, physical tabletop books, like, those books were, like, 30 to $50, usually. They're they're $50 a piece, yeah. Jeez. Like, I, I know that, like, and, um, I know that on, like, D&D Beyond, like, PDFs of books are usually, like, 25 to 30 or so, based on, like, if they're, like, mm -hmm. older books. Like, I think, like, Tasha's now 25, but also Tasha's been out for, like, over, like, close to two years now, almost. Yeah. But I think, like, some of the more recent ones are still, like, 40 or 50 on there. Yeah, they sure are. Um, Monsters of the Multiverse, or not Monsters of the Multiverse, uh, Spelljammer recently went on sale for 30 bucks, so I don't know what the original price was, but... Yeah. Yeah, my point being, um, so he's bought books for people, and I don't really need books, so he keeps buying me minis, and it's like... <laughs> I get that you are trying to make monetary value equal to the presence you've given everyone else, right? 
but also I cannot paint for anything. So now I just oh, have okay. all these gray minis. And... Gotcha. I, I was wondering if you were referring to like minis, like the the blind box minis of like D &D minis that you no, get, or like no, ones that you get to buy. Paint. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I did buy a learn to paint box because now I feel socially pressured to learn to paint these gray minis. <laughs> It's like it's like you sit, so, you standing there receiving this gift and in your mind you're like this gift is a fucking commitment now. <laughs> Thank you for gift, giving me homework. This gift is a yeah. Man. This gift is a job now. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Like, so. Yeah. Like my my D and D group and I like we we didn't really do like that much when it came to like gifts. Like I remember like early on like at one point like my GM actually got me like my own set of dice because I didn't have one. But also it was like a seven dollar set of dice. It was just like a single one of each, and that was like way back like two thousand five, like three months after we first met, basically when I first started playing. So it's like yeah, that makes sense. But because it's like yeah, it's a birthday present. It's minor. Have my own dice, so I don't have to keep over to you know grab other people's dice, kind of deal. But yeah, mm -hmm. we, like we've never like really been like all about like presents for each other that much. Like it's really more like. There's been times where it's like we've hung out on our birthdays. Like there was like one point when, after like I first had graduated college and was living at the house in Pennsylvania my parents have, that at the time was like just like their weekend getaway kind of place. I was basically yeah. just like there for like, about, like yeah, right, like a little over a year. Just basically being like, yeah, I'll I'll practice like living on my own and also like watch your place for you while you're like mostly living in New York. And that January, <laughs> my friends actually came to stay like visit overnight like we did like a like a one shot using the hero system as well that was actually it was actually i said it in the mass effect universe during the climax of the first game when uh <laughs> the citadel gets under attack so i like i had made like characters for them was like hey you want to play a krogan that has fucking biotic cra uh biotics uh that's a fucking biotic uh attack that the vanguard has in two uh, uh, biotic charge charge yeah so like i basically made like teleport as an attack kind of deal <laughs> And like it's like yeah here you go you can make you can play these characters we'll do like just like a silly one shot thing real quick, and then we just hung out like overnight we got food and we uh you know they just slept over for the day and then they drove back next but like that's mostly like the <laughs> most we've ever really done for other people's birthdays for the most part. Biotic charge is the best power in Mass Effect. It is because if you put all of your points points into um, biotic damage and then just don't carry any guns at all, that is that is like and then you can... I only played through all of Mass Effect three once. I got like maybe like a little bit back in when I was playing like Sentinel again at some point. But yeah, when I played that game to its completion, I played it as a Vanguard just like I did in Mass Effect one, uh, two. I played through Vanguard in Mass Effect one after like a second first playthrough as an infiltrator. But yeah, it's like, mm -hmm. just carry a pistol, have like full max power recharge, and just fucking buy the charge people to death. And it's just like, it was just like me just being there charging into a fucking, uh, the, the Asari Reavers, whatever. The Banshees. The Banshees, yeah. yeah. It's like, just do that, back up a little bit so she doesn't just grab me, and then like two seconds later when it's charged again, bat right back into her, and it's like, yep, uh, Shepard doesn't need a fucking gun. And all these cutscenes yeah. keep showing Shepard with a fucking assault rifle at me while I'm over here being a fucking idiot sliding myself into this person. <laughs> nah, pistol too heavy. That slows down your recharge too much. No, I carry any guns. No, I, I definitely <laughs> remember I had a light pistol that still got me the 200% power recharge. Like, I think I had also specced out Shepard to just have, like, more weight max or something. So it's like, yeah, it was, like, still be. enough. It was basically just, like, the bare minimum. But that's also how I played the multiplayer back when that's what being multiplayer... I guess was they put the three multiplayer in the collection, the trilogy that they released like last year. Uh, they did not. No. 
Weird, huh? That is kind of a disappointment because Master Three's multiplayer is actually pretty good. Yeah, it was. Um, it it, it kind of it kind of did the... set up the president of bullshit blind box weak box stuff, <laughs> unfortunately. But yeah, <laughs> like it's like UFA. But it's like yeah, that multiplayer <laughs> was fucking good. I remember liking that a lot. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I believe the reason that they didn't include the multiplayer was that it would have caused the game to be delayed by about another six months, and they didn't want to do that, mm. so... That, yeah, that, I, I guess I mostly wonder how they handle galactic readiness, because, like, you could really... Like, I guess you can still get enough readiness in the game to not... Oh, you can get way more than enough. Yeah, I, but I remember you could also, like, get extra by doing the multiplayer. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you could, yeah. but, I mean, that, that was always optional from the very beginning. Oh, yeah, it's not... yeah. It's just, it's, yeah, no, I guess it's just, it's strange, because I remember liking the multiplayer in 3 better than 3 itself, because, like, I, I get why 3 is very much a, like, Shepard, this is your life kind of story of, like, here's every fucking person you've met so far in these games. <laughs> I mean, it's just, like, it's, like, of course you go to the Turian moon, and of course Garrus is there. Hey, Garrus, what's up, fucking buddy? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, well, I stopped being a fucking uh, mass murderer of uh, criminals because I, they didn't let me do that as a cop. I'm just now here being a Reaper expert, I guess. <laughs> it's like, cool. All right, <laughs> let's go. Taking you away from being your expert for your people and instead put you on the Normandy where you can uh, have that conversation about calibration still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's just put him in the basement and never talk to him. <laughs> you know how it works. Yeah. I mean... I mean, as even as Vanguard, I mostly I'm trying to remember who I actually brought. I think I'm no, I think I mostly did bring Garrus around. For, no, but, right, because uh, Mass Effect Three they actually removed the difference between shields and biotics, right? So it's like uh, yep. warp did like warp and overload affected both. So yeah, I didn't even bring him then because I mostly just brought like Liara and uh, Javik around because they both had mm -hmm. warp and it's like yeah, why why need any tech? I think I had VR. I think I had Tally a little bit once she actually joined, but also, yeah, it's like Tally wasn't really changed much from like Mass Effect Two, and again, Garrus really wasn't much either. I mean, yeah, no, definitely not. Yeah, I I never brought James on a single mission. I can say that. <laughs> I remember that in particular. I don't remember much of like Mass Effect Three as a whole, besides like major plot points. But it's like I do remember I never used James. <laughs> And you also, like your cool soldier, bro? No, never did. Also, I never brought uh, Kaden. I let Kaden back onto the ship, and it's like, all right, chill in your fucking room. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, it's like, I very much brought him on just because it's like, yeah, I'm going to be like the nice shepherd and always pick power gun options to tell you to come back in. But also, you are a fucking idiot, my guy. <laughs> ah. It's like you've seen Shepard work for the uh, the betterment of everybody overall, and you still think that Shepard is not being a good person. It's like, yeah, you can fucking stay in your room <laughs> forever. Now, hold on, though. I mean, at some point, like, the last time Shepard and Caden met, Shepard was actively working for the Nazis. Fair, so. fair. But also, if you pick, like, the Paragon options, you can have Shepard say, like, I'm only working with them because they're the only people who will fucking listen and fund us to fight the Reapers. And then it's very much a case of once shit hits the fan, Shepard's like, fuck them. <laughs> like, Listen, I know video games are gonna video game. Yeah. I know you're railroaded into that choice. But exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna be real with you. If the Nazis offered me a bunch of money to resist the Republicans, I wouldn't take it. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> 
but also there's no reality in which the Nazis would help you give give money to your Theresa to Republicans because the Nazis are Republicans. Yes, but you yeah. see the point. Yeah, no, I, I see the point. It's just, yeah, it's very funny that it's like, yeah, no, they, they are one and the same. That Venn diagram is a perfect circle. I mean, given the elusive man and how his story turns out, it's the same circle. Yeah, pretty much. <sighs> but yeah. So that's that's fun. Um, Mass Effect, good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's also like it also well, just came situationally up. good. Y- yeah, it's like, good for the two thousands. Yeah, it it also kind of came up because my roommate Sam has actually started playing Mass Effect for the first time. Like she got the trilogy. Oh. She's mostly been playing it when her uh, girlfriend is over. So it's been like she she chose Sentinel because like she was like I didn't want to just like pick the gun class and like Kelsey and I were both like yeah the gun class is just a boring class cause, like. You don't need every gun in Mass Effect anyway, and also having fucking space <laughs> magic is way more interesting than more guns. <laughs> yeah, so it'll be interesting. Like I, I basically like watched a little bit of her play. Like she really only got through Eden Prime so far, but it's like it's it's still very weird because like I thought that they had like talked about changing up the combat in the first one to be more in line with the other two, but it's very much still Mass Effect One combat. And that skill tree um, is still Mass Effect 1 skill tree, which is, like, you still need to put, like, points into the decryption to open up some, like, doors and boxes and stuff. Now, from... I'm gonna be real with you. I got that game, the remaster, when it came out. Mm-hmm. And I distinctly remember it being different from the original Mass Effect combat, it, it, but I don't remember how. To be, to be fair, it might be, and it might just be also, like, I'm misremembering, because the last time I played Mass Effect 1 was, like... 2009 before 2 came out because like mm-hmm. when I played through 1 like I was like I wanted to like I basically went through 1 and just did the bare minimum I didn't do like any of the like really like big like explore stuff and I didn't get any of the achievements for like using a character and like 75% of missions kind of stuff so I went mm-hmm. back and played it again with like that was when I played as Vanguard because first time I played Infiltrator and like I had like Garrison Rex in my party the entire time so I got those achievements to pop and like basically like explored as much as I could so I was like, yeah, like, I basically played it. The last time I played Mass Effect 1 was, like, months before Mass Effect 2 released in 2010. So it's like, maybe it's just my brain forgetting because it's been, like, fucking 13 years <laughs> since I played that game. But it seemed like it was very much just that same game again. It looks like a lot of it was just, um, I don't know how to put this, uh, quality of life improvements yeah um, yeah that would track if they were just like yeah let's just make things a bit faster and smoother well so like in the original mass effect releases uh you could only use guns basically that you had points in right and if you equipped a different gun then you would have massive accuracy penalties yeah. like not not only would you not be good at it but it would be actively worse yeah and that's not the case anymore in the legendary edition you don't have the specialties but it's not worse for you because you don't have points oh, if that makes sense gotcha so it's like a side grade in a sense kind of yeah okay um and there's a bunch of other stuff but I'm not going to read this yeah. list of changes. I, I guess mostly what I was thinking along the lines of is, like, the fact that those guns still have, like, an accuracy rating where you could be pointing at the, the enemy's head and still miss is, like, that kind of just feels bad in a 2022 video game. I, I mean, admittedly 2021 video game because it released last year, but still. It's like, I, I get mm-hmm. that it's, like, mo- way more rpg but, like, that change in Mass Effect 2 and 3 was, like, I don't mind this at all. I get that this is more of an action game, but at the same time, I don't mind that if I aim a fucking sniper rifle at a uh, Gef's head and shoot, it's gonna actually hit the Gef's head. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah. I mean, I can't say I ever had that problem in Mass Effect, but... I mean, yeah, you, I mean, for the most part, I mean, I mostly was just using pistols in Mass Effect 1 and, like, a little bit of, like, snipers and shotguns based on the class that oh, I was playing. don't get me wrong. I'm exclusively a sniper rifle player in most video games. That's just how I do stuff, but... Yeah, that, that is also kind of what I drift to in games. Like, usually if it's, like, if it's a game where, like, you can have, like, two weapons, I'm usually taking, like... Like a like a marksman rifle kind of thing, and like uh like a semi-auto pistol or something like that, or like an SMG as a secondary kind of situation. Nah, no secondary sniper rifles only. <laughs> yeah. If they get close enough for you to shoot them with a small, you fucked already up. Lost. Yeah, you fucked up at that point. <laughs> Which yeah, so. kind of funny that I bring that up, considering that, like, my uh, character for our Apocalypse game, it's like, I'd have a fucking hunt, uh, hunting rifle, I'm like, yeah, I would probably pick up, like, a pistol at some point, and, like, maybe one of the street sign shields that you can get, because <laughs> the street sign shields are very goofy, with the way our DM created them, where it's like, they give a bonus to uh, resistant physical and resistant energy defense but only if they hit your uh dcv which is basically like your armor class in a sense by three yeah. or less so it's like my character would have like based on what i'm thinking of they would have like uh ocv and dcv of sevens which is like offensive combat value and defensive combat value just for like hit to hit and to block kind of deal and it's like yeah if they if they hit an 11 or more they would just circumvent the shield because it's just not hitting at the shield at all. It's just hitting me square in the face instead. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be interesting because we haven't played a hero campaign with hit locations in a while. <laughs> Which is basically whenever you use like a weapon that does killing damage, you have to roll like uh, basically where you hit on the body between like 1 to 13. <laughs> or uh, 1 to 18, right? Yeah, because it's on 3d6. <laughs> 13 is vitals, which you always joke about being the nuts because it's like it goes from like top to bottom. So it's like 18 is like feet and like th 12 is stomach. So it's like 13 is vitals in the air quotes. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's, it's shooting the person in the crotch, <laughs> which is not very honorable. <laughs> hmm. Hmm? Sorry, no. Uh, okay, I wasn't sure if you said something there. Uh, well, I was just trying to open up my notes for this session, and they are... I have them, I found them, but they're not in the folder I saved them to. Huh. Yeah, I have, like, a separate uh, Google Drive folder of just, like, all my uh, own episode notes. And it's always put one there. Okay, well, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, you ready to get into talking about our one and only episode for today yeah we're gonna have a few weeks of shorter stuff like i mentioned on the twitter where we we realized that if we did both 17 and 18 today we would not have an episode to put out next monday <laughs> so we were like oh yeah let's go back to our original idea of just do single episodes through the rest of the show <laughs> or the rest of the yeah season two, it's kind of a bummer but we gotta do what we gotta do you know yeah I, I, <laughs> turns out when we also started this show and i had then we came up with these ideas we also thought the show would come back sooner than it did. Because <laughs> we were thinking yeah. the show was going to come back in, like, February or even January, and then it came out uh, that it was, like, late March. <laughs> and it's like, oops, we're, <laughs> we're going to catch up before this is done. Oh, well, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yes, indeed. Yep. But yeah. It also gives us a bit of a break. We have, It's a fine to have a few shorter episodes. <laughs> uh, it'll be fine. Yeah. 
the real trouble is how we're going to squeeze in the entirety of our next series before the specials show up. Oh, we're definitely not, <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> I mean, how, how many episodes is that? I mean, we've already... It's a lot. Uh, it's like 50-something, right? Yeah. Yeah, we, I mean, we I know we already mentioned it in the Discord of what we're going to do next, but for the few people that missed that, we'll, we'll be a bit coy about it. Just like how I had to be coy about saying the name Flapjack for months. <laughs> Hey, listen, they said it in the show finally. Yeah, they finally said Flapjack in the show. Yes, I can actually say the name Flapjack. Hooray. Uh, but yeah, um, so today we are opening with Season 2, Episode 17, Edge of the World. And we open with King cooking something. Um, it Honestly, it kind of looks like boiled abominations with bones added in it. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> It seems super gross, but it turns out that this is actually just a drizzle on top of a large beignet that he's cooked to go with a fancy cake and a big feast. Um, Luz and Ida are in their Grom outfits again because they're going to have visitors, and this is how they look when they get fancy. <laughs> um, the visitors arrive, and it is a version of King with a mustache and a fedora, and two younger kings who respectively have purple and green eyes. Uh, this is the King of Dads, the Prince of Brothers, and the Prince of Sisters. Which, not princess of sisters, I should point out. Just prince. Yeah. Um, they are king's family, and king prepared this whole feast just for them. Um, king of dads suggests that they could play catch after dinner, and king starts to give thanks for the meal, talking about how grateful he is that his two families could meet up, and how well it's going, and how it's almost like a dream. And we cut to King curled up on the floor like a dog and Ida waking him up, because Luce is about to talk about what happened in Hollow Minds. <laughs> Yeah, it's Alas. very apparent from like the word go that it was a dream. I don't think there was any question yeah. about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. For the, like the first seven seconds where it's just King cooking something well, and saying yeah. he hopes that their visitors like it, I believe that. Yeah. The instant the visitors show up, though. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. As soon as you see it, I do want King to point dead, out also, like, yeah. I put a picture in um, uh, 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 the... The, the, the cartoon server in the Audio Entropy Discord channel, but in King's Dream, Albert is wearing a little top hat. He's delightful. Yep, he's a dapper little gentleman. <laughs> yes. Um, no credits again this week, just a title card. And then uh, Luce has a flashback to what she saw in Velos's memory, except that it's not quite right, because she remembers a collector talking about cursing the Boiling Isles with the power of the Day of Unity, instead of talking about how they're f trapped and would have fun once they're freed little bit of a difference subtle but yeah very it's, rough <laughs> it's, it's much like when she misremembered what her mom had her promise about like that, yeah, exactly yeah. It, it's very much a case of like yeah like you remember Luce is a 14 year old girl who is at both of these points very much fucking panicking and losing her shit so of course she's mm -hmm. not remembering things about accurately yeah <laughs> um yeah so we cut out to Luce. um she's covered in a blanket and a pile of King's army, and uh, apparently she's been drawing all the things she saw. And I gotta be honest, her style has dramatically improved since Them's the Breaks Kid. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it, it's the same sort of hyper-realistic stuff she's been experimenting with lately, but it's a lot better with proportions. She's not overly exaggerating characteristics and making her subjects yeah, look like monsters. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just it's not, a it's not, good drawing. It's not, the, it's not like when she drew Morton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for way. sure. Yeah. <laughs> Even in Them's the Breaks Kid, um, when she drew Ida and Rain, their faces were just all kinds of weird shapes, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, so um, Ida, having heard this story, sort of 
says there's a lot to take in here, and Luz insists that there is just no time to process this information. They have to do things now, because that's how she deals with trauma. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, she's she's freaking out big time about having been part of Belos's plan and playing into his hands and teaching him that glyph, and King and Huddy... King and Hootie hug her. King and Huggy, what am I talking about? <laughs> I mean, Hootie does give hugs a lot, so it's accurate. That's yeah, fair. Um, yeah, they're trying to calm her down a little bit. And Edith says that uh, people definitely know when you're in their head, so Bellos is going to be moving on them soon, and that Luce needs to hide, but she is reluctant because she wants to stop him, not hide, and she just doesn't know how. At this point... Um, Lilith bursts in through the door in uh, dramatic fashion because apparently Albert told her about the draining spell. Yeah, I, I, and, I, 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 very, yeah. I very much like, I, I've seen people bring this up too, of people being like, I like how Albert was all like, oh fuck, I gotta get Lilith in on this shit. <laughs> like, it's like, when as soon as Albert heard this stuff, he's like, who the hell is around here who could actually be sensible and help about this? It's obviously Lilith, it's none of these idiots. <laughs> Let me go get her. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about this a little bit because so Luce is the only one here who knows about the draining spell right so Albert can't go get Lilith until she tells them yeah except like did he teleport to her where does Lilith live that she could show up that fast I mean I think that the Clothorns live in Bonesboro proper I don't think they live like far away so yeah I don't know It, it could just be a fact of like it could just be like maybe Luce like led off of that and then backpedal a bit and like when like after she explained like the draining spell and how it would like kill everybody, Albert was like, Okay, let me go get help <laughs> Didn't hear the rest. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I just assumed that the Clothorns lived further away since Ida's been avoiding her dad for like thirty years. Well, I mean, she doesn't live in Bonesboro itself, like she lives on the outskirts, so No, but she's there all the time. Yeah, true. She's got her shop there. I mean, all they'd have to do is spot her booth. That's I, that's fair, yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, so... Um, anyway, uh, Lilith is also kind of freaking out because she was helping Bellows this whole time, but Ida points out that there's no time for self-pity, and they get down to business. Um, Hootie is extremely excited that Lilith is back, and as a result, he just horks up a huge pile of garbage, which does include a grudge ball and an anime sword, so again, sword Also three ghosts, which I think confirms that Hootie has killed and eaten at least three people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's worse is that not only does he kill them, but he manages to keep their souls inside until he bars. Yep. I mean, hey, it'll come up later, but the fact that uh, somebody will call Hootie an ungodly sock monster I think is a very good <laughs> apt descriptor of both him and probably a good title for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah uh the other thing he barfs up is the letter to king from a while back uh this is a letter from king's warrior clan inviting him back home to teach him who he truly is and also includes a map and some kind of bone which if you ask me kind of looks like a finger bone yeah kind of um, he is very excited by this and immediately thinks that uh, they should go get his family and they'll help because if they're a warrior clan, then they can get him on board with fighting Bellos' army and, you know, even the odds instead of five kids and two moms fighting an army. <laughs> um, <laughs> Excuse me, uh, five kids, two moms, an owl, and also a couple other an animals. <laughs> That's, yes, my mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah. So, uh, Ida doesn't really think that they should do this. Um, she just wants the kids to hide somewhere while she and Lilith deal with the problems, because she is just in full-blown mom mode now, and Lilith actually pipes up in favor of getting King's family on board, because not only could it help, but since they live far, far away, the kids would be relatively safe. And she also insists on sending Hootie as their brave and noble protector, and though Ida is reluctant, they all kind of talk her into it. They, they just say we're going to do it so much she gives up. Yeah, I, I do also like the little like curtsy that Lilith does as Hootie bows. <laughs> like, these two freaking goofballs who are just such good friends just being silly at this moment. Yeah. Just trying to like, add some levity to the situation. <laughs> Hootie does also mention here that he can hear, or sorry, feel marching around the edge of the forest, yep. but nobody really reacts to that. No, they just get the kids out of there. I didn't even catch that the first time I watched the episode. Like, I saw people bring it up of like, wait a sec, Hootie knew what was going to happen at the end of the episode. Because <laughs> he could feel Yeah, he 100% approaching. did. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, whoops. <laughs> but yeah, so the, uh, the kids run off to pack for their trip, and Lilith tells Ida that She's been to the place on this map before and that there's nothing there. This was basically just a trick to get the kids out of the way while she and Ida scheme. And Ida has a little bit of a breakdown of her own. I think this is the first time we've really seen this kind of emotion from her, but she's just overwhelmed about everything that's going on and how unfair it is that Luce and King have to deal with tyranny because they're just kids and they shouldn't have to yeah. put up with the fact that their country is ruled by megalomaniacal overlord who wants to kill everyone mm -hmm. you know like kids yeah you know <laughs> like definitely not like the real world <laughs> yeah i mean she did have a little bit similar to this back when uh she found out that king wanted to like take her last name but also that was like mostly like off screen if we just heard her crying but yeah this is like yeah, exactly. this is like the most that like either really like starts to like like crumble and drop her usual like snarky facade in a sense yeah it's like, it's definitely affecting, but it's also just kind of frightening in a way, because she's always been so competent and so confident up to now that yeah. seeing her freak out is wild. Yeah, like, even Edith's like, yeah, this shit is way bigger than any of us, really. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, oh, also, if you want more treatises on the unfairness of kids being forced to deal with tyrannical rules, go ahead and read the 50... 54 book Animorph series because that's all <laughs> yeah it sure is <laughs> I mean I haven't watched I haven't watched nor read much of Animorphs but I remember reading a few and it's like yep it's very much kids having to deal with uh, native invasion kind of stuff well it is that but it's like the, the, the whole premise of Animorphs the series is the effects of war on children and yeah. having to use child soldiers is so traumatic it's, 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 and everyone yeah. is messed up and ruined by the end of the series. Sounds very uh, gun to me in the sense of like, yep, the best people who can pilot these giant robots are always teenagers for some reason. <laughs> for a variety yeah, of different exactly. reasons. Like sometimes they have fucking like plugs in the back of their neck that they literally jack into the fucking robot. <laughs> and other times they just have some weird berserker mode for whatever seed really never explains anything like that of why people can do that at least like the, the early one i mentioned iron Ball of orphans at least it's like yeah that at least kind of makes sense you're literally jacking your nerves into the fucking robot <laughs> compared mm -hmm. to seed where it's just like yeah some people can just go into a fucking rage mode and just be better at being a pilot for some reason don't worry about it <laughs> there's some stupid uh, genetics and eugenics shit going on in that series anyway <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, isn't there always? <laughs> I mean, there's always like a new type equivalent in those in those shows, yeah, where it's like here's the genetically altered and advanced humans kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, um, Luce and King hitch a ride with Salty, who I'm gonna be real. I didn't think we'd see again, but this is the guy who took them on the silky silky domus hunt back in the first episode of the second season, and. He's all alone now. He's not working for Hunter anymore, and his crew abandoned him. And that's basically all the story we get out of this guy. I assume he's done for the series, but you never know. Hey, to be fair, I already covered his voice actor, so it didn't actually make any difference whether or not he showed up or not. <laughs> no, that's fair. It's just a surprise, that's all. Um, oh, yeah. like this, yeah. This, this character was very much a one and done, and yet here he is again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they... Um, spot a giant finger sticking out of the ocean and they're pretty sure like it's it's far away from the titan at this point salty tells them that it is not from their titan um i'm unsure how common knowledge it is that there were more than one but he sure does <laughs> there, there was that bit from the uh the unauthorized like chronology of the boiling hours or whatever the book was called from the season one finale that king reads a bit about like how in the text it says that there are other implications of being more titans out there but not like complete skeletons so, yeah. yeah, it's like, I, I feel like certain people that are, like, more, like, traveled do know that there are ones. Also, we have established they have a fucking postal service that specifies addresses for the Boiling Owls as being on the Boiling Owls, so presumably there yeah. has to be other, like, civilizations out in, like, other parts of Titans Island. Uh, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. I just wish we had more evidence of it, that's yeah. all. <laughs> I mean, we also do get that a bit with uh, Echoes of the Past when Lilith implies that the island that king was hatched on doesn't actually map like match with any maps of the boiling isles yeah so yeah there are some instances of it <laughs> but also i feel like it's just something that unfortunately got a little cut because of the time constraints well i could be remembering wrong but wasn't the island that king was hatched on i don't remember that looking like a skeleton part no to be fair it isn't yeah it's just basically like a jungle island with the big like stone monument building in it yeah, that was just, like, a natural island, so I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> yeah, who can say? Um, yeah, so uh, they, uh, they land at this huge finger, and um, they the, they don't have a lifeboat, I guess, on this ship, so they put to land in a bathtub that has oars on it, and I just... <sighs> this show in bathtubs as transport, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they uh, climb up to the proximal interpharyngeal joint where they discover a small hole in the bone that's just big enough for the finger from King's letter. And uh, when Luce puts the finger in, they get sucked up by an alien-style tractor beam and land somewhere else, <laughs> where they are greeted by a the king-like figure who dropped off the letter, and uh, he informs them that they are on the other side of the world. Uh... Worth pointing they're, out, they're looking... they, we, this hmm? is the same place as what we saw in the Owl Beast memory, because it is the same, like, horse-like skull of a titan. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is the same There's place. There's definitely... I feel like this is a full skeleton, I'm not gonna lie. It's just jumbled up. It's not laid out like the other titans. Yeah, it, but... it might be. It just might be nobody's really been that far, you know, like, exploring to find it, so it could be that it is a full skeleton that might just be broken up more. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this one, this Titan skull, it looks a lot more dog-like than the one from the Boiling Isles, so I kind of wonder if that means anything, or if Titans are just biodiverse, 
Maybe the one from the Boiling Isles is a different species entirely, because it's not shaped like the other titans we'll see in this episode. Yeah, like, maybe, maybe it's, like, maybe, like, uh, the one in the Boiling Isles died at a different point in its life than this one. That it's, yeah, that's possible. Yeah, so it's, like, it had, like, different, like, uh, growth and, like, bone structure or something when it died. Yeah, I don't know. But, um... So this big guy, uh, he is pretty scary at first, but when he sees King, he gets excited and introduces himself as Tarek. Uh, King introduces himself and his friends and makes a point of calling loose his human-slash-friend-slash-sister, which is just adorable. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, at this point, Tarek says that he isn't King's dad, and unfortunately King's dad isn't here, but Tarek is the one that sent that letter. Um... He says just by looking at King, he knows that the kid is one of them, and that his dad must have passed down that skull of his. Uh, so. when you really, when you remember, when you realize what happens later on, that fucking line is so fucking chilling. <laughs> yeah, your dad passed down that skull onto you. It's like, uh, King definitely interprets that way different than Tarek means. Yeah, yeah, uh, he sure does. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, something I only noticed on the rewatch of like, oh god, right? I know who these people really are. Oh no. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he takes them back to the town, welcoming them, welcoming them to Titan Trapper Island. And there are these king like creatures all over the place. They are Titan Trappers, folks who basically look like king except that they wear clothes and are larger. <laughs> um, I don't. Like, there's not a moment anywhere in here where king sees all these people wearing clothes and thinks that he should wear yeah, clothes also i also thought of that just now where it's like king is eight years old and is still just walking around as like a furry animal compared to everybody else wearing clothes and it's like again one of the like most uh, telling aspects of why things are actually not on the up and up compared to what we're introduced to being it it's like it's like yeah something is definitely off here in a way that they are not thinking about I don't know. I mean, it, it seems pretty natural to me. King basically didn't know that he was from a society, right? Yeah. He just thought he was an animal, so but also, I, I but get also, why this is he a, wouldn't. This, this is, I remember this is a Morning Mark uh, comic back when everybody thought Tarek was King's dad, where it's like, the thing is that he's actually like, look, I'm not trying to like tell you how to parent either, but could you at least give, give him like a pair of pants or something like that? Usually our kids don't walk around <laughs> naked. <laughs> but it's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There, there is. What I'm trying to yeah, get there is still here, that. Like, <laughs> there is still that aspect of it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just mostly nobody ever comments on him not wearing clothes, including him, and it just seems strange given that he's confronted with everyone else who looks like him wearing clothes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, uh, the trappers are a society dedicated to hunting titans, gigantic monsters that threaten the whole world, but most trappers have never actually seen one. Uh, most people think they're extinct, including Luce, but according to the Grand Huntsman, there's still one more titan out there, so the trappers are still training and waiting. And, you know, King is invited to join them. So they ask the trappers for help with the whole Bellows thing, and... You know, pretty good results. The folks on this island seem to love King. They're immediately on board with anybody you want to kill, we want to kill. Yep. <laughs> but uh, they can't actually promise their help, though, because they have to talk to the leader, uh, whose name is Bill. And I kind of get the feeling that this was supposed to be a uh, maybe a Gravity Falls fake-out thing. I think so. I think so. Yeah, I think so, especially because, like, Luce also says, is that short for anything? And I was like, nope, just Bill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 
Also, sorry, Let's I was getting distracted there because I heard your kitty's bell going off. <laughs> or your gallery. Mm, yes, yeah. she has climbed up on the computer to say hello. Hi, kitty. She's typing all kinds of nonsense in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this Bill guy, apparently he's actually met the Trapper's God, the Grand Huntsman, so he is the boss of them, which, you know, makes sense. If gods are... A physical presence in the world, and you have a dude who can communicate with him. I get why you might listen to him. Yeah. Um, King is just so thrilled to learn the Titan Trapper ways. Uh, Luz suggests he stick with them while she and Hootie talk to Bill. Hootie is kind of sus about this. He doesn't like splitting up, but uh, Luz thinks it would be a good idea for him to spend time with his family. And I do want to mention here. We've talked lately about Hootie being a lot more of a character recently, mm -hmm. and that kind of isn't so much a thing in this episode. Like, he gets to have a little bit of fun at the beginning, but yeah, he's generally, yeah. He's kind of <laughs> just along for the ride in this episode. Like, I still like that he's here, because, like, it's still... Yeah, like, I, I do like the fact that, again, he does bring up, like, it's a good idea for us to split up. It's like, yeah, he's, like, being sensible, but also... Hootie is way older than this 14-year-old and this 8-year-old, so it makes sense that he would be a little bit more sensible, even... <clears throat> Even though it's still Hootie, in, in a sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're definitely right. He just doesn't get as much chance to shine as a character here, is all. Yeah. Even in the past few episodes, when he's been, like, m shoved off to the side, even then he got a lot more... Um, personality archetype yeah like say. like and here he's just kind of yeah like him, him wearing the fucking bodyguard glasses being like i'll handle this it's like yeah that's like yeah, that, yeah that's, exactly. that's a little bit more it's like a 2d being like yep i will fuck up a motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um so we got a montage of king like fighting a pinata and training under a waterfall and using a giant horn to amplify his voice weapon to shoot down a griffin and all the other trappers are thrilled. They're just hanging out and having a good time. <laughs> but uh, Booze arrives in Bill's... Um, it's an office or an apartment or something. I don't know what to call this. It, it, it's, it's just chambers, yeah. That's how I would describe it. Yeah, but uh, it's it's full of weapons, including uh, uh, Anne's tennis racket from Amphibia, just on the wall there. Yep. <laughs> and <laughs> She's totally thrilled about all these weapons, but none of them actually work. They just keep breaking every time she touches them. Mm. <laughs> Which, you would think people from a culture so dedicated to war and warfare would know how to maintain their weaponry, but, you know, whatever. Um, uh, Bill is at the other side of this room, uh, reading a book called, uh, wait for it, The Last Titan, A Study of the Boiling Isles, by none other than Flora Desplora. Oh, I didn't know this was by Flora Desplora. <laughs> yeah, she knows. She knows about the last Titan, and she was just in the Owl House. Oh, uh, I mean, she, pro she probably knows that there's still one out there, but doesn't know what it looks like. Is the thing? <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Not not a very she... good historian, there, Flora Desplora. <laughs> Maybe you gotta retire and let Lilith have your place. <laughs> I don't know. I think Dora's a bad guy. I think we gotta <laughs> steal that backpack, get that map. <laughs> Could be. You know. Um. Yeah. So uh, Bill is the first like king-sized Titan Trapper we've seen. He's just a little guy, but he does have a candle on his head, so that's unique and different. Um, Luz asks for help in the fight against Bellos, but he's extremely unimpressed, referring to Bellos as quote that upstart from the Carcass Kingdom. And uh, 
Like, I don't know what he thinks he's living on, but, you know? <laughs> well, I think it's more like, he's like, yeah, no, our society is, like, more equal than Bellos is showing up and declaring himself emperor one day. <laughs> well, sure, but, like, I'm just talking about the Carcass Kingdom. Here, yeah. Because he says it like it's a burn, but it's not like he doesn't live on a body. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's, I guess the way I read that, it's, like, more like he's not, like, Bill is not trying to claim, like, control over the entirety of the time that he lives on compared to Bellows claiming that he owns all of the time basically I guess but yeah um Bill has apparently been around a while because he allegedly has scars longer than Bellows's reign so he's at least older than 50 <laughs> um he does promise to help but uh he can't help but redirect to the subject of titans cause you know that's everyone here is obsessed with them yep <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so he says that Belos isn't actually as evil as Titans. Uh, none of the other trappers have seen one and don't know about their horrible, ravenous appetites or their terrible cries or how their infants act like monarchs. And I gotta be real, none of this seems super evil, but, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but also, for all we know, Bill is probably just, like, t telling everybody else a Bill of Lies just based on what he knows from yeah. his god. <laughs> Listen, I'm just saying... A baby acting like they're the most important thing in the world and being hungry and crying isn't... <laughs> no, that's, that's children. <laughs> like, that, that's children even past infancy for the most part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, he does say that he saw the last Titan once, which is interesting, and that the creature cried and blew out his eardrums with its terrible wheh. Um... The Grand Huntsman apparently wants him to find the last one, because it is the only way to free them. Uh, Pudi kind of pulls Luce aside while this guy gets distracted by looking at a poster he made. I don't know what his deal is. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this Hootie pulls her into another room, which is just full of skulls and carvings of slain titans and emblems of the Collector. Because, as it turns out, the Collector is the Grand Huntsman. So Bill follows them into this room, talking about how much work he's put into the shrine, and asks Luce if she likes their disguises, because you have to look like a titan to trap one, apparently, which means they just wear fursuits all the time, yeah. constantly. <laughs> because, but, yeah, these are just regular witches who also, are dressed also, as titans. Also, I, I like how you just glance over the fact that they're like, yeah, there's a man to the collector. It's a fucking snow globe. <laughs> Why did they pick snow globes at the collector? <laughs> Well, it's not just a snow globe. Like, there's carvings and junk yeah, all over the but, place. But still, Hootie picks up Hootie picks up a... Yeah, true. But also, Hootie picks up a snow globe. Why are they making snow globes to the Collector? <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, yeah. the Collector isn't like fucking Mickey Mouse that you see at Disney World. It's a fucking, like, <laughs> cr like weird god, maybe? We're not really sure. Maybe they're just calling it the Collector a god. Maybe the Collector actually is a god, but the Collector is definitely not a good person. <laughs> At the very least, I think the Collector is pretending to be a god. Yeah, probably. But, yeah, like, I mean, there's a distinct shot of a giant emblem of the Collector before Luz even goes into this building. Yeah. So I just didn't think to make that much of a big deal about it because it's, like... Just another thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, presumably she was too distracted and just didn't see it then, but until she saw the snow globe. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, um, the trappers have been wearing fursuits with three-finger gloves and those skulls on their heads their entire lives. They're just regular witches. <laughs> and uh, I kind of hate this in a way, because I can't imagine the stink of that island now, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah... 
I mean, again, I, I, I I've heard just that fursuits can get a bit nasty if you wear them for long periods of time, right? <laughs> I, I can't say I have personal experience, but I can only imagine that unventilated heavy suits. I think, would. I think I remember reading that at least. It, it makes sense considering that, like, I've definitely heard people that just cosplay as just like general like characters being like, yeah, it's it gets it gets hard to go be dressed up like this for hours on end. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, so uh, Bill also says that if he ever found the last Titan, he would rip it limb from limb, and they would that would apparently free the Huntsman. But also, who's King's Tailor? Because his costume looks great. <laughs> yeah. And this is where I have some issues with this episode a little bit, just because, like, I get that the Trappers wear these suits all the time, right? Mm -hmm. I, I understand that it's normal to them, but how did... They think King was a lost infant who didn't know anything about his culture. So how did they think he knew to wear the fursuit alongside the skull? I, I guess they could assume that he learned from his dad, but like, where? I, I don't know. It just seems weird yeah. that they assume that he has that. It's already, it's a little you know? strange. Like I, I guess the way I interpret it is like they were like, yeah, like King's dad raised him for a while, but then like his dad disappeared at some point so it's like king knows a little bit about the culture and knows enough about like the suit but doesn't know the whole detail because like you wouldn't really like teach a child about like yeah you're gonna be a warrior one day and help us murder a giant fucking monster that walks around <laughs> well no i don't like their entire culture is dedicated to killing these things i don't think they would hold that back oh like... who can say <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's it's one of those things that I think it's mostly us being two thirty year olds, uh, re no, closely <laughs> examining things that are not meant to be this examined. <laughs> that's you're right. I just you know yeah. sequence of events. That's all. Fair. Um, yeah. So uh, Luz has put the clues together, which I really appreciate because a lot of times characters in shows don't realize things yeah. until you actually say them. But yeah, she's smart enough that she's figured out what's going on here, and she just sort of books it out of there, saying that her quest will work itself out and they don't need help after all, actually. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Luce might be smart enough to figure things out, but Luce is not smart enough to come up with a good lie. <laughs> <laughs> like, she could have just said, like, oh yeah, yeah, I just want to go check up on King real quick, I'll be right back. She didn't have to be like, yeah, I'm sure Debella's problem will sort itself out, we're good, we're, we're gravy, don't worry. <laughs> like, she could have just been like, yeah, I'm just gonna go to the bathroom or something real quick, be right back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Again, 14-year-old um, who panics easily at times when she realizes shit's hitting the fan. <laughs> The thing is, though, is that outside, the trappers are, like, throwing King up in the air and catching him, and every time they do, he goes, wah, which is enough for Bill to realize also what's going on. Um, which I guess he hasn't told anyone else about the wah, because they don't realize that King is not one of them. I mean, it's yeah, like, you, exactly. you would think they would have, like, caught on by the fact that he has, like, uh, his roar powers, where he can, like, shout and stuff, and it's like... Yeah, yeah, that exactly, because yeah. they all saw him shoot that griffin out of the sky. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're just like, oh, he's just a powerful witch for being eight years old, which we kind of yeah. just see a lot with teenagers being more potent and powerful than adults in times. <laughs> Thinking directly about Willow and Gus here, in a sense. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it turns out uh, when Ida, and some people bring this up, when Ida is like, I know this is more a thing to talk about next uh, week episode, but when Ida is like, yeah, that must have taken some powerful magic to animate the entire house. Turns out she wasn't off and far off from uh, the truth here. <laughs> based on what we've seen of Willow and Gus. <laughs> we'll definitely talk about that later, but I feel like a big part of the reason these kids are so much more effective than the adults is just because they're like, 
they have a reason to learn and get better yeah and have the benefit of unconventional people on their side to watch and learn from. yeah they, they they aren't just like general people working for the emperor and having to do everything he says and not think for themselves and also getting exactly and also based on what hunter said getting stabbed in the back by each other repeatedly multiple times over right yeah but at the same time i mean like the coven heads are certainly much more powerful than your average witch yeah. but i also feel like they're kind of complacent just because of their position of power so mm -hmm. there's no it doesn't matter whether the head of the illusion coven stabs the head of the abomination coven in the back he's never going to take your spot you know yeah so... pretty much <laughs> so there's yeah there literally cannot because he has another ma magic bound <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Which is kind of a weird thing to bring up, actually, now that I think about it, because it's like, yeah, join the Emperor's Coven, you have access to all kinds of magic, except the nine heads of the Coven that work directly under Bellows, for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Weird oversight, but also, at the same time, Bellows doesn't give a fuck, he just wants people branded. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, we cut away to Tarek showing King the Armory, and offers to teach King how to dismember his enemies once he's older, so that's kind of sweet. But uh, King asks if Tarek knows what the symbol, or, symbol on his collar means, and uh, Tarek doesn't recognize it, and he suggests they can figure it out together. Um, he talks a little bit about how he thinks King's dad was probably lost a long time ago on a hunt in the Boiling Isles, and King is really happy bonding with Tarek, and even asks if they can play catch. He's accepted Tarek as his like surrogate father figure pretty much immediately. Yeah, it didn't take him very long. <laughs> and... Uh, Tarek accedes, which is a word I use because it's how Tarek talks. He's ridiculously over-the-top yeah, fancy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very much funny how Tarek is over-the-top fancy in terms of his uh, his manner of speech, except when he's talking about Bill, where he's just like, yeah, Bill's my best friend. <laughs> but yeah, so he sends King to go get the catch equipment, and in the meantime gets a call on his crow phone from Bill, so they have crow phones here too. It's universal technology. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um. At this point, King returns with the catch equipment, which IMO isn't enough catch equipment because he has one glove and a ball. You should have had two gloves, bro. Well, presumably King would have the glove and Tarek would throw the ball to him, and then King, like King, King would need a little bit of help grabbing the ball because he's smaller, so he wouldn't need the glove compared to Tarek, who's a big dude. Well, the glove is for catching, is the thing. Right, and like Tarek would like but... throw it to him, and then he would be able to catch it with the mitt, and then Tarek could just do fine with his normal arms to catch it when King throws it back. I, I, I mean, know. maybe I'm, that's how I remember it being when I would play catch at times when I was a kid. Not that often, but still did it. But I remember I was the one with the mitt. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, generally both players would wear mitts because getting hit with a baseball hurts. Even oh yeah, if you're no, big. yeah. <laughs> getting hurt with any sport ball hurts. I remember there was one point I got kicked in the face with a soccer ball back when I lose two. But hey, I, yeah, it. It was very much a case of, like, fuck, this hurts, ow, I'm tearing up because it hurts, but also being a little bit, haha, that tooth is finally gone because it fell out because it was <laughs> loose for, like, a week and I was going crazy because of it. So, very, very interesting mix of emotions, like, fuck yeah, but also fucking ow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that only ever happened once. That was, like, back when I was, like, 12, I think, back in, like, I think I was in, like, 5th or 6th grade at the time, so yeah, like, when I was 11 or 12. <laughs> Turns out I didn't play much sports past being that age when it was kind of mandatory for you to play sports. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not... I'm sure that Tarek is big and impressive. I just... 
you know, catching a ball barehanded is never fun. No. Uh, the only reason I could see that he wouldn't need a glove is if King is just preposterously wimpy. <laughs> I mean, King is an eight-year-old child who can't do a whole lot outside of his, like, shout voice powers. Yeah, I guess. But, um, yeah, so uh, Tarek tells him that the game will have to wait because it's actually time to celebrate his induction into the Trappers now. So we cut to a bunch of trappers gathered in front of a stage, rhythmically pounding the butt ends of their spears as King is painted and draped in a little fur cloak. Um, they put this together real fast, so I guess they were prepared. <laughs> uh, Tarek tells King that now that he's here, they can finally free the Grand Huntsman, and that his destiny awaits in the ashes of his old life, which doesn't set off any alarms for King at all because he's all about burning things. Um, he gives King a little torch burning with some very pretty blue fire and tells him to light a tablet on an altar. Uh, generally, tablets don't burn, but this one apparently will. And actually, this is just the disc that Wittabane stole from the Titan's yep. skull all those years ago, but it's split in half yep, now. Yep, it's 100% the round boy that he took. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. <laughs> uh, so King lights it on fire, and it catches with no trouble whatsoever. And this is apparently the first step of summoning the Collector, because King does hear his voice in his head. And uh, they put a little cloth over King's head as part of the ritual, and Bill sneaks behind him and raises a dagger to sacrifice him while he can't see, and um, <laughs> he's about to sacrifice King. And I do want to point out that the dagger he's using for the sacrifice is the same design as the dagger we've talked about in the past, the Clawthorn dagger that we think Philip used to kill his brother. So, uh, <laughs> hmm. I don't know what's up with that, but it's possible it was maybe just a Titan's weapon all along. Maybe. Like, maybe, maybe it's, this is, maybe this might be the same one, and the one that Ida has is just, like, similar, but not the same dagger. But at the same, possible, at the same yeah. time, Philip probably dropped the dagger, and he was running away from a witch that was very much gonna light him the fuck up, because she had just killed her lover <laughs> in front of her. No, yeah, I mean, it definitely makes more sense to me for Ido's to be the quote-unquote original one. Yeah. I'm just trying to say that, like, since they have a weapon that's the exact same design, I think it probably originated with Titans or Trappers somehow. Potentially, yeah. But, yeah. Um, so, uh, he the trouble is, Bill can't bring the dagger down. He's just sort of stuck there. And then he's lifted up by a mysterious force and thrown into the audience. And uh, King flashes in a big... King vanishes in a big flash of light. And at first, the others think it's King doing it, that it's the power of the Titan, because uh, it hasn't been explicitly said, but that's what we're getting at here. King is the last Titan, and no one has told him yet. Yeah. But Bill sees through this immediately, because uh, Luz was invisible and apparently just hucked Bill into the audience, <laughs> so those arms of hers are getting out of control. Mm -hmm. Um... We, we cut to Luz and King and Hootie all, like, hiding behind a bone somewhere, and King is mad because he didn't realize there was anything weird going on. He thought they were just going to play catch after the ceremony, and that these guys understand him and what it's like to be left behind. He's upset because he knows Luz is going home at some point, and he here admits that he actually read all the Azura books, so that's fun. <laughs> but, he, you know, she made that promise to her mom, and he just doesn't like being left behind he's kind of got some unresolved trauma regarding that <laughs> we watched a whole episode about it yep 
but hey, at least at family. least at least there is now officially a third fan of the Azura books on the Boiling Isles. <laughs> is there? He, it, I feel like he wouldn't have. I feel like he wouldn't have read all five if he didn't have some level of enjoyment from it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, as much as he was a bad person at the beginning, he's very much a good dude now, and I feel like he's the kind of person who might have read those books just because they're important to someone he cares about. Oh, okay. Kind of similar situation of, like, how I convinced my mom to watch The Outhouse back when I visited in August, and she stuck with it because she actually liked it. <laughs> even yeah. even though at first she was like, eh, I don't really get the appeal, but then it's like, yeah, like, once we got, like, around, like, when Amity was introduced, and also when she stopped being as much of an asshole, it's like, okay, I start to see the appeal of why you like these characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, for King at least, finding his family was a way to prepare for a world that Luz wasn't in, which is very sad mm -hmm. because. <laughs> yeah, especially when you also remember there's still, like, at this point, four episodes left before the specials, and they're already doing a line of what the world would be like without Luz in it, and it's like, oh no, Dana Terrace, you have to stop coming after my emotions every week. <laughs> <laughs> Never. Um, I mean, as we do know, she does. Listen, she is spying on us somehow in live in real time. So she's just always rewriting the script to be even more savage to our emotions. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Unfortunately, since you asked her to stop messing with your emotions, she's going to do it more. Oh, I know. I mean, I was fully prepared for it, especially ever since she said that season two <laughs> being was the pain part of season two. But now she's like, okay, who's gonna fucking die now? Now that Chloe spoke up. Didn't have plans on killing somebody off, and now somebody's gonna die. <laughs> Dana Terrace with That's, the yeah. Dana Terrace with the jagged design of the knife in reality, throwing it out a dark corner of his names. It's like who's gonna fucking die? Depends on where this knife goes. <laughs> I mean, listen, you saw that dress on Twitter. That's a that's a knife dress. That is a knife dress. It. Yes. <laughs> also, uh, that is also a damn good look for Dana Terrace. By the way, just gonna say. That's <laughs> him. Uh, yeah, so uh, Luce explains what they learned from Bill and that King is a Titan, but he doesn't really have time to process that at all because the trappers appear shouting about getting that Titan. They are not going for subtlety at all anymore. Nope. Um, they're all shooting, like, laser blasts at him, which Hootie is distracting them. He goes big and is, like, wiggling around to draw their attention. And I really like this part for Hootie. It's, it's you know new and different and yeah it's, he's it's, really putting himself on the line yeah it's him and then putting they immediately it... tangle him up with a bolo and he can't dodge anymore and he gets shot a bunch of times yeah it's kind of upsetting yeah it's like very much Hootie being like all right that's something to protect these kids because i'm the uh, air quotes adult here <laughs> presumably Hootie is an adult but also Hootie is Hootie, and still just being yeah. like yep i'm just gonna fucking take all these blasts i guess and it's like, yeah. It, well, he it, didn't mean to, is the thing. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like once he got tied up, he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> but yeah, it's like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it is very much like, it's like, yeah, it's like the first time that a character's like really gotten like beat the hell up. It's uh, basically. Yeah, so. honestly, I think this is the first time we've ever seen Hootie injured. Uh, aside from when Amity uh, kicked his ass. Yeah. Yeah. That was a comical ass kicking, not an actual ass kicking. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, I don't know. I, I mean, when I saw this, it really bothered me, but it's not as big a deal as I thought it was going to be in this moment, because, like, Hootie gets beat down hard here, but he's he's just fine later, no problems. Yeah. <laughs> so. Hootie just has a very high recovery stat to use uh, hero turns. Like, he has, he has low physical defense and energy defense, and 
but still good stun, so he doesn't take much, uh, it takes a lot to take Rudy down, and then he just recovers easily in, like, seconds. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, um, King jumps on Tarek's face, and, like, pounding on his head, and begging him to stop fighting, because, you know, he's one of them. But Tarek just kind of throws him off, and he also throws off the Titan skull he was wearing. Uh, he is a witch with his face painted in the style of the Collector, and he tells King that he was never one of them, which is just brutal. Um, Bill starts gloating about how the Huntsman is going to return now, and how Bill is going to ride cloaked in glory above all others, which the Trappers are pretty kind of uncool with, because they thought the Huntsman was going to give them all glory, and I just... Mm -hmm. That ain't how glory works. You can't just give it to somebody. It's an ephemeral concept that you earn based on your own perception of the deeds that you have and your relative fame. Yep. <laughs> but whatever. I guess if that's their religion, sure. <laughs> but yeah, um, so Hootie and Luce kind of dogpile on this moment of uh, uncertainty, asking if Titans are even evil and how much Bill is just lying, but he very unconvincingly insists that he isn't lying at all and grabs a spear to try and kill King. At which point Hootie bursts out of the ground and throws him like 30 feet in the air. So Luz takes the chance to grab King and run. And, and Hootie racked up another body count. <laughs> oh, he's fine though. Yeah, like, fine him... for the moment. He's definitely on the ground. <laughs> he is on the ground, but we see two of the other trappers pick him up and he just like shakes them off and says, go get that guy. He's fine. Fair for now. <laughs> <laughs> the finale, Hootie will kill, kill him fully and eat him and barf up his... We can uh, only hope. <laughs> but yeah, so this is, like, no certainty, of course, but this little spot of uh, vulnerability here is kind of... Uh, it makes us wonder whether these guys are going to show up again, maybe as actual allies, but we'll see. It seems like it would take a lot to change an entire society's culture. Yeah. These three questions sure did rattle them. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they still do pursue them in the end anyway, so probably wouldn't side with them anyway. Cause well, they, they, they I did, don't know how they, much they do pursue them, because, like... They, they follow they them. Follow yeah, them they follow them. To the pier. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, they we, follow them to the pier where these three originally showed up, but, like... Yeah, we don't see... The trappers just stand and watch them fly away. They don't try to chase them or anything. Yeah, we don't see them getting the, uh, fucking, uh, tractor beam ever. It's like, that would... I guess it's like, if they had done that once they destroy the, uh, the finger, it's like, they would definitely all fall from the tractor beam and probably all die from impact. <laughs> so, like, if they were like... Well, we, sure, but they didn't like, know Luce was gonna do that. Yeah, true. <laughs> So yeah, they just kind of watch them escape, and I guess maybe there's a rule with the tractor beam that you can't enter it once it starts, but I don't know. It, it feels more like doubt to me. Mm. <laughs> so um, yeah, uh, the Luce and King and Hootie get picked up by the tractor beam again, and uh, they arrive just falling through the sky towards that weird finger, and Hootie stretches himself, I think the most we've ever seen him stretch, just wrapping around it a ton of times, this huge monument to slow their fall. Yeah, and, he, uh, he might have been stretched a little bit more when he followed the lift to get the fire bee honey, but also we only saw him popping out of the ground. We're not sure how far possible. that was, but yeah, it's like it's possible that was a longer distance, but this is the most we actually see him visually like stretch. Yeah, for sure. But um, yeah, so they land safely, and Luce says that they have to destroy the finger to keep the trappers from following them, and... King steps up. He uses his voice weapon to just destroy this whole uh, monolith, uh, edifice, uh, uh, whatever fancy word you want to use. And uh, that destroys the portal thing that they built. 
and uh, I'm real happy that he stepped up and did this. I'm happy that it wasn't loose blowing this thing up on his behalf. Yeah, we're having to convince him to do it. It's like, he's just like, yeah, yeah no, I realize what the fuck is going on. You were on being honest. You're loose. Fuck these people. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But he is still pretty upset and just kind of hugs himself onto one of Luz's legs, asking to go home. So we get one last shot of him sitting on the top of the ship. It's not the crow's nest, but it's roughly equivalent in height. And sort of overlooking the boiling aisles as the ship returns. And he sort of gives the Titan a little bit of a greeting, just a high hello, but Luz calls him away for breakfast, and that's the end of their story for this episode. In the woods, though, a few dozen Emperor's Coven guards surrounds the L House, and the captain reports via Crowphone that uh, they have quote-unquote them surrounded, and Kikimura responds to arrest everyone in sight, and we close with the L House surrounded and about to be invaded, and the guards chanting for the Emperor's glory. Mm -hmm. uh, really could have used a hoodie about now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, or if, the, or at the least, Hootie should have stayed behind, maybe in some Lilith with the kids, because then Hootie would have been like, "Oh yeah, I can fucking take these people, no problem." I did it before. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Let's uh, let's install a state-of-the-art, incredibly powerful security system in our house, and then just rip it out to send it on adventures <laughs> <laughs> with kids. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's this episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I really don't yeah. have much other notes about it concerned compared to what I already piped up with. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mostly just have like a little bit of trivia because this episode didn't have a lot of trivia really. But also, we only had one episode compared to two to cover, so yeah. my trivia is also shorter. <laughs> well, I'm not shocked because also like um, it, it's it's more recent, you know. Yeah. And sometimes the trivia takes quite a while to find. It's just it's going usually, over frame yeah, by frame the, and spotting stuff. In the wiki, it's usually updated by like a day or two. Like I think even like uh, Labyrinth Runners already has theirs updated with stuff. But yeah, it's like it. It's been a week, but it's like yeah, I don't think there was really that much because it is a very story-heavy episode, so there wasn't as much. But yeah, uh, just to quickly get into it, uh, King's dad is just also voiced by Alex Hirsch. It's just him talking to his son in their quotes, and his uh, <laughs> siblings are also just voiced by Matt Chapman. We've covered both of them before. It's just, it was just yeah. funny to bring up. <laughs> uh, Bill is voiced by Chris Houghton, who is one of the showrunners of Big City Greens and also plays cricket on that show. He has a few other credits, but none as like prominent as voicing the main character of Big City Greens. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, apparently King doing the, the little one-legged stand on the waterfall is a reference to the Karate Kid's uh, crane oh, kick. Oh, yeah. No, it super is. That's I, like yeah, the, the famous okay. pose. <laughs> True. Okay. I, I don't want to seem familiar, but I've also never seen Karate Kid. But, but yeah, when I saw it there, it's like, okay, yeah, I understand where that's from then. <laughs> but the only other thing I really have is, uh, <laughs> aside from uh, Anne's tennis racket being visible, we also see in the armory Anne's sword and one of Sasha's heron blades there oh, nice. yeah and also uh you probably definitely noticed it but Luz picked up the spear of longiness from neon genesis evangelion in bill's room <laughs> <laughs> yeah i saw that i was like well it's not a fucking nge reference they've done it before in this show but sure okay let's just have the fucking spear here that fucks up asuka <laughs> <laughs> yeah but worse though <laughs> yeah i mean it definitely doesn't do as much as the the exospirit did concerning it just droops and isn't useful <laughs> uh, I have one little thing here that I saw earlier that I thought was interesting to bring up. It's just another theory people have going around that kind of relates to the, uh, that one theory of the bad stuff that I will not bring up because Dana Terrace is definitely spying on us about something that might happen with Luce and the Collector later on. 
but <laughs> people notice that when King goes to like grab Luce's leg, the little collector mark that they had painted on his skull actually wipes off onto her legging. Or it might just be like an animation issue. It might just be that they forgot to have it there in the next, in the next uh, bit where you, you see his face and it's like it's no longer there. But people think that it wiped off onto Luce's leg, which might be the catalyst for how the bad theory could happen to her. <laughs> I know it's a stretch, but I definitely have seen at least one fan comic already in just the last week of like, uh-oh. Because <laughs> people are just so fucking confident that that theory is going to happen. <laughs> I don't know. I know. Like, I get... Yeah, I, I get I get that it's, like, a bit of a stretch, but also it was, like, something I just wanted to bring up. Because <laughs> it's, like, it definitely is the case that when you look at it closely, that mark on his head does disappear when he puts his head up to loose his legging. And it's no longer there. Again, might be an animation error, might be intentional. Who knows? So many things for the show are not accidental. Aside from Luce accidentally <laughs> having worn her uh, multi-track outfit in the initial uh, release of the first day by accident. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't know. I just... I, I'm, apart from that theory entirely, I'm, I'm not saying whether I think it'll happen or not. I am saying that I don't think such a small thing would be enough to catalyze it. If that's going to happen, it's yeah. going to be a bigger deal. Fair. We'll, we'll see in, like, I guess two or three weeks, probably. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, it still could happen in the specials, but I feel like if it's something that is going to happen, it definitely seems like that would be something that they would end season two on, of, like, oh, fuck, how do we deal with this now? <laughs> uh, I hope not. I hope not, but also I definitely am pre preparing myself for when that happens. <laughs> yeah, it's 100% going to happen. I just don't want it to. <laughs> yeah. Let, let the kid not have bad things happen to her anymore. Unfortunately, I've admitted that I don't want it on this podcast, so now yep. going to do it. Well, hey, hey, to be to be fair, we have not said the theory itself. We have just that's true. We have alluded. We, we have alluded to a bad theory about losing the collector. We haven't said the details, so Dana. It's true. Dana, we really don't want I mean, them to date. <laughs> I mean, hey, also to bring it up, I just remembered uh, the fact that like Tarek's face is painted in that half blue, half yellow motif does it definitely confirm that the art that Dana drew on the live stream is the collector's face not being a shadow creature because huh. she drew like half like yellow moon half yellow sun and half blue moon character's face like popping up from the ground kind of deal so I we, don't hmm? know why I thought this but I thought we had confirmation of that within the show already uh, I think it's. I think we kind of had just based on when we saw the collector's face in Hollow Mind. It's like it definitely still has that, or they have that uh that kind of design, but it wasn't colored in because they are a shadow. <laughs> but this definitely just straight up confirms it because like Tarek does have his paints painted that way in that motif. Fair enough. Yep. <laughs> uh, I had the art this year, but I really don't have much else unless you had anything. Like, did we get questions? Um, I'm sorry. Did we get questions? Uh, we do not have any questions on our Twitter. I don't suppose we got any in the Gmail. <laughs> no, we didn't. I checked earlier. Okay. Worth a shot. Yeah. Yeah, I know I sent out the tweet yeah, a little... that's all good. That happens yeah. sometimes. Yeah, I know I sent out the tweet a little earlier, too. We, were, we only had, like, two hours time between when I sent that in recording. But, yeah, you know, it's, a, it's kind of a smaller episode where there's not as much goofy things to, like, riff on and pop up questions about. <laughs> Compared to last week when I was when we was like, what VTubers would the cast watch? And it's like, well, this is this is my fault for saying Paint Echo. 
compared to this one where it's like yeah it's, it's just it's more kid drama but also there's not much to goof about <laughs> yeah 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 uh this it's week it's gonna be fun when we're on the current episode because then we'll have to be like putting out question posts without spoilers in them. yeah pretty much <laughs> it's definitely that way now because it's like me being like i don't want to accidentally spoil anything in the tweets for that yeah. my friend might see because he still hasn't watched season one yet <laughs> oh no <laughs> or, uh, no not season one uh, he hasn't watched uh, season 2b yet he hasn't watched any episodes yet even though okay, the first well, one that's better yeah even though the first six are on disney plus but it's still me being like all right, got to dance around this and not spoil anything by accident, even though I'm still using stills from the episodes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, if you don't have anything else, I will uh, talk about the artist this week that I'm going to highlight. Yeah, which, uh, sounds good. Yeah, uh, this week I'm going to highlight Wickstuffs, uh, W-I-C-C-S-T-U-F-F-S, just exactly how it says with two Cs. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the same handle on Twitter and on uh, Instagram. Uh, she, I think she is like one of the first people, if not the first I saw, that came up with the witches ears do a flip flip when they get embarrassed or blush theory. Because <laughs> I definitely remember seeing a lot of like fluffy loony comics where Luce discovered that I mean these ears do a flip flip and then like teasing her intentionally to get her ears to <laughs> do flip flips. As it's described both in the uh, comic and also the like uh author just being like yeah no i call it a flip flip because <laughs> it's his ears like doing a little flap <laughs> yeah yep uh she also did a very uh cute series of comics about where loose found a pair of rings in Nita's trash and gives one to amity who just i fully mistakes it as a proposal ring and says that they're too young they're married <laughs> but yeah it's like the follow-up is them like wearing their rings at like times where it's like it's like stuff like they put hold their hands together with their rings on just to like feel the rings next to each other kind of deal and also one where like because of that thing where i mean even took it as a marriage proposal it's both of them at night like moving their ring onto their like what's the finger that you put the wedding ring on i believe that would be the ring finger yeah the ring finger where it's like they would move it to that one just to be like well what if kind of deal and just getting blushy to them uh, to themselves at night being like yeah this is kind of silly <laughs> <laughs> that's cute uh there was also a cute one where Luce had found a polaroid camera of all things and surprised Addy with it and when she tried to take a picture again uh amity does a little like peace sign thing with her fingers and Luce just accidentally blurts out that she loves her because it was very cute and which activates the flip and messes up the other photo <laughs> <laughs> and uh a pretty funny one of like them on valentine's day where after months of dating it's them like drinking like one of those like you know, it's like straws that have like the two parts that few people can drink from going to the same drink kind of deal. It's like a, it's like a straw, but it, like it splits off so two people can drink at the same time kind of mm-hmm. situation. Yeah, it's like them doing that after months of dating. But then like years of dating when they're older, it's just like Amity has two drinks with the, with the straw flipped over. So she's just drinking from both and Luce has like the straw just shoved up her nose instead. Where it's like, yeah, it's like she doesn't give a fuck anymore. They know each other well enough that they're not really being as lovey-dovey anymore. <laughs> It was just funny, because, of course, Luce would probably do that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I say this every week, but it's the usual fare of its fluffy, luminy stuff that I just like, because I don't think we're going to get much of that in the show going forward, because uh, it's just the same the fan all the time, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um... I mean, it's been a lot lately, yep. and it's not going to stop being no. a lot. But I mean, not not to fully spoil the next episode, but Luce isn't even in the next episode. 
<laughs> which I remember we brought I brought that up like a few weeks ago where it's like oh so far Luce is the only character that's been in every single episode because it's like the first time Eden and King don't show up I think mm-hmm. it was like episode uh, 13 back in the the sports one and then it's like oh well so much for that Luce finally yeah. wasn't in an episode <laughs> but hey I, I actually really did like uh, episode 18 when we get to it next week when I talk about it no yeah it's fantastic yeah, it's, it's a nice little like uh, the trope of like day in the limelight for a bunch of other characters that uh, you know especially with Gus because Gus has not had an episode uh, since episode 5 of season 2 and it's like yeah but it's <laughs> okay. also like it's there's good like Amity and uh, Willow stuff in it and also really good Hunter stuff <laughs> For real. Yep. Also, to spoil next episode, but I can't believe Mytholomew came back. Yeah, I was about to say. Also, me being a liar again with being Jerbo is back again. But also, Jerbo doesn't have a voice actor, so I mean, it's fine. <laughs> and Barkus is there. Bar- and Barkus, yeah, Barkus has a line. Boy. Yeah, Barkus has a line, but it's still like Barkus doing like dog noises with the subtitles, which is still no, more is, than. Which is still more than. Yeah. The point is, Barkus is yeah, there. Yeah, it's more than Barkus has had since the first day. To be fair. <laughs> like he showed up like once to barf a like a card on the hunter's face, but that was it. Yeah. yeah. But worth pointing out, Basha is not in that episode. <laughs> Basha, Basha doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> they were like, "Yep, no, we'll bring back the fucking like prankster kids that are multi-track students." But Basha, nah, <laughs> get lost. <laughs> Scar gets to be here because Scar is a character now. But Basha, nope. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it'll be uh fun because it's gonna yeah that's episode... gonna be so funny when the last episode of the season is a Basha spotlight <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like all the characters are like at that death store over there and Basha saves them and beats bellows somehow <laughs> she's like yeah i might be like the entire day of unity is just from her perspective <laughs> <laughs> Or like we, it's like uh, it's like one of those like found footage kind of things where it's from Boss's point of view and she just like sees shit happening in the background and you don't actually get the context for it till the, spe- the first special <laughs> where it's actually like let's rewind and see what the character's actually up to and like they'll see Boss at one point but then yeah not at all. <laughs> oh, what a disaster that would be for everyone. Yeah, I mean considering nobody <laughs> likes Boss. <laughs> Except for the people that still try to shop Vashalus and Vashalo, which I don't know what's up with y'all. They're wrong. They are wrong, yes. <laughs> I at least can acknowledge that there's at least more going on with, like, Huntlow. And, and not, uh, yeah, Huntlow or, like, Winter. And also, like, I mean, that pretty much seems like it's more where they're growing in the sense. But also, like, I can understand why people ship Edric and Emra with Hunter compared to people shipping Basha with Luce or Willow. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. or Basha with Amity, which is also not good. <laughs> oh, speaking of Luce, no crimes this week. She didn't do any crimes. Uh, yeah, fair. She, I mean, she did... I guess uh, those people on, like, Titan Trapper Island can probably get another way off their island without their teleportation thing. It would just take time, but it's like, yeah, she doesn't, like, fuck them over entirely. Like, she doesn't... She Like I said, she they don't go into the teleporter after her and then fall to their deaths when they break the fucking thing, so yeah. But that would also technically be King's yeah. crime, I guess, if he were to break it and then make them all plummet to their deaths. Yeah, I think the worst you could possibly pin on Luce for this episode is accessory to property destruction. Yeah. But I don't think that really even applies, because when you're doing property destruction in pursuit of keeping yourself from being murdered, it doesn't count as a crime. Yeah, t- pretty much. I guess you could kind of argue that she does have a bit of assault, because she did pick up Bill and chuck him into the audience, but whatever. <laughs> That guy, but again, that, she was stopping yeah, a murder. Yeah, that, that guy was really about to murder a child who is more of a child than she is. So, makes sense. <laughs> so, yes, Luce is innocent. She's never done anything wrong at the end. 
Uh, definitely not true. <laughs> I mean, hey, hey, well, hey, to be fair, is it crime if it's like a crime against an illegitimate regime uh, by a fascist? <laughs> oh, boy, we're going to get into political philosophy now, aren't we? <laughs> Have we not already at times? <laughs> That's fair, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, when we first talked about when Lilith was introduced, it's like, yeah, I like Lilith. Said that she's a cop, but she won't be a cop forever, at least. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I think I don't have anything else. Have you? No, I think that's it. We still went for an hour okay. and a half of only one episode, to be fair. So yeah. yeah, no, you're you're totally right. But with the second shortest episode of all time, I think there's not much left to say. But uh, remember, us weirdos have to, have to stick together. together. Bye. Bye.